0: It's Tuesday, October 17, 2023. And this is Uranium Spotlight, your weekly podcast dedicated to delivering the latest news and events shaping the uranium fuel market and its critical role in the global energy landscape. Brought to you by PurePoint Uranium Group, trading on the TSX Venture and the OTCQB. PurePoint actively operates a portfolio of advanced uranium projects in the world's richest uranium district and has established partnerships with some of the largest uranium suppliers worldwide. While our passion for this subject is undeniable, it's essential to clarify that the information presented here is not investment advice. Instead, our goal is to offer an unbiased and comprehensive review of recent events that could impact uranium prices.
1: And now your host, Chris Frostad. This week on Uranium Spotlight, we review news out of last week's two nuclear conferences, as well as a new use for nuclear power. We have an update on France's improving nuclear situation, and we'll report on Urano's new Mongolian deal to lessen reliance on Nigerian and Kazakh uranium. But first, last week's uranium prices. Last week, the uranium spot price leveled off, opening and closing the week at $69 U.S. per pound U-308 the spot seems reluctant to cross the line into incentive prices necessary to start turning mines back on. Spot activity was slow most of the week, but noticeably picked up on Friday, including conclusion of a fund's RFP. Price movements over the week were limited and only saw a slight upward move on Wednesday and Thursday as bid interest increased marginally. Yet price slipped back to where it began on Friday based on transactions. On the long-term front, markets were generally quiet last week with no reported new formal demand or contract awards. Nonetheless, utilities continue to advance both formal and off-market evaluations. At the end of September in Paris, the OECD's Nuclear Energy Agency held its Roadmap to New Nuclear conference, which included 20 countries from around the world, all committing to greatly expanding their nuclear capability in view of a looming threat of climate change. The IAEA also concluded its nuclear energy conference last week in Vienna, which centered on creating a level playing field for nuclear energy in the fields of both policy and financing. Both conferences focused heavily on the challenges of financing new reactors. As the OECD NEA's head, William Magwood, reported, historically, financing of nuclear reactors has been tricky where one government may decide to build a reactor, another government may get elected a few years later and decide to suspend construction, thinking it's too expensive or environmentally unsound. Now, however, most of the world's political parties on both sides of the aisle have been lining up behind nuclear as one of the best tools for fighting climate change. The OECD's conference, says Magwood, was both a response to being left unsure as to how to proceed after the UN Climate Change Conference in 2021 and a bit of a preparatory meeting for the next one in Dubai starting November 30th, where countries are looking to demonstrate their forward planning for getting to net zero by 2050. Most countries are looking to make heavy reductions in CO2 emissions by 2030 to help them get to those 2050 goals. At the IAEA conference, the conference's president, Ambassador Hamad Akabai of the UAE, said we must continue to push for a level playing field for nuclear energy in terms of policies and access to financing which can allow the technology to benefit from similarly favorable conditions that helped to deploy renewable energy technologies over the last decade. Also at the IAEA conference, International Energy Agency Executive Director Faith Barol noted in her opening remarks that nuclear is not keeping pace with other technologies for producing clean electricity, and remembered that 20 years ago, Europe, for instance, was producing 30% of its power from nuclear sources, whereas soon the number will fall to just 15%, unless policy changes are made. This has a lot of implications, says Barol, for Europe's electricity security and how challenging it will be to fight against climate change. Also noted by the IAEA was that nuclear energy was useful in the sectors of transport, industry, and heating buildings. Nuclear can be used to produce hydrogen, which can fuel low-carbon transport trucks, and can be used to produce heat for industrial purposes, such as making concrete and steel. The IAEA last year announced the Atoms for Net Zero initiative, and this year partnered with the World Nuclear Association to start the Net Zero Nuclear Initiative. The program aims to triple the world's nuclear capacity by 2050, and Mr. Magwood also noted this as an important step forward. Overall, the conclusion of both conferences was that nuclear energy is an important part of economic growth and climate reduction targets for nations all around the world, but that more must be done to secure the future of nuclear energy as a technology. The U.S. government has announced a plan to provide companies from around the United States, including reactor operators Excel Energy and Constellation Energy, with up to $1 billion in funding for the creation of hydrogen production facilities. Hydrogen can be used for many different applications, including the production of fertilizer, the production of green energy, and producing heat for industrial processes, including the production of glass and steel. Reactors can produce massive amounts of heat necessary to produce electricity, and this can also be used to produce hydrogen fuel. The government has established seven different hydrogen hubs around the United States, including the Heartland Hub in Minnesota, Wisconsin, the Dakotas, and Montana, where Excel is based, and will use its reactors and other renewable energy sources to produce hydrogen. Constellation is based in Baltimore, and the Mid-Atlantic Hub, which will be focused more specifically on producing hydrogen from nuclear sources. Other countries and other companies are also looking at the production of hydrogen from their reactors. Bruce Power in Ontario, Canada, has recently announced a plan to look at producing this important fuel with help from companies kinetrics and fuel cell energy. With the number of apparent uses and the ability to use pre-existing reactors to produce it, hydrogen is an emerging technology that's worth keeping an eye on. Following up on last week's story, EDF announced this past week that French nuclear output for September was at 26.9 terawatt-hours, up nearly 50% compared to September last year, and total nuclear generation in France was up 11.5% for the first nine months of the year. EDF also noted that its production expectations were unchanged, with total production in 2023 still expected to be 300 to 315 terawatt-hours. However, there was still some volatility in the French power market this past week, when workers at EDF's Belleville II nuclear power plant briefly went on strike. Although the state of things seem to be getting better in the French energy market, the day-to-day situation remains fluid. In corporate news, France's Urano has secured a significant $1.7 billion French-Mongolian uranium mining deal, granting rights for commercial production in Mongolia's Gobi Desert around 2028. This deal aids Arano in diversifying its uranium supply, reducing dependencies on Niger and Kazakhstan. It also aligns with France's renewed focus on nuclear energy. Mongolia stands to become the world's seventh largest uranium producer, meeting 4% of global demand. Arano's strategic approach involving an upfront payment and dividends for Mongolia secured the pact, enhancing Mongolia's mineral exploitation prospects. The government retains a 10% equity stake, while the fate of the remaining 24% is uncertain, potentially setting a precedent for future mining deals. Political backing suggests a smooth ratification process in Mongolia's parliament, as both the President and Prime Minister support the deal. The lesson for investors is to consider geopolitical risks in mining investments, as strategic alliances can influence access to vital resources. Beyond uranium, the French offer technology and exploration assistance, enhancing Franco-Mongolian economic relations. And that wraps up your Uranium Spotlight coverage for this week. For more news and events from the world of uranium, please tune in next week to Uranium Spotlight.
0: You've been listening to Uranium Spotlight, your weekly podcast dedicated to delivering the latest news and events shaping the uranium fuel market and its critical role in the global energy landscape. Brought to you by PurePoint Uranium Group, advancing its position as the premier uranium explorer in the world's richest uranium district. Join us again next week for Uranium Spotlight.